It's normal and common for people who were neglected or abandoned in childhood to fall deeply in love with people who make them feel abandoned and unwanted all over again. And that's what limerence is, an obsession or infatuation with someone you can't have that becomes like a full-on addiction. And like all addictions, it can be very hard to change, but there's a way to do it. And it's important that you do because if you let limerence linger, it can destroy everything meaningful in your life. Hey, it's Anna here, just taking a little pause to talk about getting help when you're having a rough time. There are a lot of things you can try, and one of them is online therapy through BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible, and those are very good things, because finding a therapist can be really hard. BetterHelp makes it easy to sign up and get matched with a therapist who meets your criteria. And when you click the special link that I'm gonna give you, it not only helps this podcast, but it gets you 10% off your first month of therapy. So you can connect with a therapist, see what happens, and if anything feels like it's not a fit, which is common in therapy, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost. No stress about insurance or who's in your network or anything like that. So if you're struggling and you need to talk to a human, try BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash C-C-F. C-C-F stands for Crappy Childhood Fairy. That's BetterHelp.com slash C-C-F. There's also a link in the episode description if you need it. That might be easier. Thanks for sponsoring us, BetterHelp. Now, back to the show. My letter today is from a woman I'll call Suzanne, and she writes, Dear Anna, I've really mucked up my life, and I don't know what to do. All right, I've got my fairy pencil, and I am going to circle some things I want to come back to on a second reading. And I want to go through now and read Suzanne's letter. And it's longer than usual, but I decided to keep keep it all there because it's got a real uh, specific account of what it's like to have a certain kind of limerence. So let me share this with you. She says, my wife and I became friends with a group of other gay couples who live in an area of town over the past few years. Having these other couples living nearby meant we always had fun social activities and close friends available. It gave us a sense of belonging, and as a bonus, it helped my wife, who has had some issues with depression at times over the past seven years of our relationship. Okay, wife depressed. About a year ago, I started a band with one of the people, the other women in the community. My wife and I became especially close with her and her wife, and we'd hang out every day sometimes. One weekend we got high, <laughs> very uncharacteristic of any of us, and watched old movies and listened to records, and they stayed overnight at our house. And between that and all the activities we had on the calendar together, we did a long hang lasting Friday to Sunday. Having these friends was a great relief from stressors in my life, my job and some intense community volunteering I was doing. And yes, I am adopted and suffered childhood neglect by my adoptive parents. My mom had severe mental health problems and my father enabled her. Okay, little background there. Adoption, all right, that is often a, a, a source of childhood trauma. At some point, I realized I was texting a lot with the person in my band about her childhood, but not mine, of course, she says. All right, it's a telling detail. Her parents struggled with addiction and alcoholism. They would also text about music and songs they were writing. 
She was very competent and well-liked, but I noticed a surprising trait that she was really sensitive about criticism. Well, that's actually a common trait of CPTSD. At rehearsal once, she threw a fit in response to mild criticism and stormed off. Instead of being annoyed, I <laughs> was hit by a deep tenderness for her. Oh gosh, I hear you. There it is. Okay. I was suddenly and surprisingly hit by the realization I had feelings. Isn't that interesting? How a temper tantrum made you realize you had feelings. Having previously had a limerent crush before for a manager that hit in the same unexpected way, what, because of their anger? Hmm. I immediately was filled with terror, and it was warranted. I had so much to lose, but was soon totally overwhelmed by my feelings for her. At some point, she told me she had feelings too, and we talked and agreed it would be unwise to leave our mostly happy marriages for basically lust. We knew we would end up in a new relationship with just as many issues. We talked about just sitting with the feelings and I am impulsive and ended up basically immediately telling my wife. So she had to tell hers. All right, I'm cir circling first this idea of sitting with feelings, but also uh, telling the wife, okay? We'll come back to those things. Uh, Three-ish months of longing and drama ensued, and as we continued to text and talk and see each other, I had a difficult time. I'm generally impulsive. Now you've said that twice, impulsive, okay. And my texting habits got out of control. I was always waiting for her response and needing reassurance. We'd touch sometimes and find excuses to see each other. When we'd ride to rehearsal in a car together, I couldn't help myself from touching her arm and sometimes holding hands. She always felt too bad to touch me, so it was always me touching her, which made me feel bad because it was one-sided, even though she seemed to like it. I'm very ashamed to admit I was so into her while still loving my wife. I would have done more, but she was resolved not to cheat on her wife. Okay. I told her I wanted to kiss her twice, and at some point told her over the phone I felt in love with her. And later she texted me she was in love with me. She was drunk before immediately pushing unsend. We fell into a pattern where things like this would happen, and then I suddenly wouldn't hear from her. After not hearing from her after the I'm in love with you text, I gave in to neediness and went and asked her what she would have said if when she asked me weeks prior, I told her she, she was both the cause and symptom of issues in my marriage and that I wanted to be with her. And she said she'd say she needed to try to work things out with her wife to figure out if I was just a Band-Aid. I feel so guilty for asking that question. I feel like I betrayed my wife because I was suggesting I would leave for this limerence. Okay, so it sounds like full addiction here, all right. Soon after, we got touchy. So I'm hearing this kind of like dissonance where you keep saying you feel bad about trying to tempt her away from her marriage, which she wants to stay in but you keep pushing, so okay. Soon after we got touchy at rehearsal, I noticed she'd put on cologne right between showering and coming to rehearsal. Yeah, getting to that level of noticing, that's limerence, all right, that's addiction. And she frequently happened to mention her showers and being in bed. And I, I leaned in to smell it and comment, and after a tense moment, she stepped away. The next day I tried to talk with her about setting boundaries, but she denied touching my lower back or wearing cologne. I felt gaslit because I'm positive those things happen, but I also felt really guilty because I had less self-control and seemed to like her more. 
Okay, this is part of the letter where it's a long letter, so I just want to respond to this here because I might forget when we go back through. It's just that um, this is something that we do in limerence, especially with trauma in the background, is we're confused now, not, not recognizing that we're sitting here pushing a relationship that somebody else doesn't want. Even if they sort of enjoy the energy, they don't want it to go anywhere. And then in our minds, we turn it around and we go, that was so unfair to me that you rejected me or you're gaslighting me. But see, a person who's trying not to have an affair must gaslight. They have to say, look, there's nothing here. They're, you know, they're trying to make it stop. And so a lot of things are said that might have a lot of subtext, but the respectful thing is to let it go unsaid, is to let deeper things that you could say go unsaid, because that is how you settle things down. So... But that's anyway, that's a trauma. That's a trauma thing that we do sometimes is kind of push for something impossible and unattainable and then get mad that it wasn't given to us in the manner that we wanted. The conversation basically escalated into a fight about who initiated the touching. Days later, we talked about the fight, but didn't really solve anything. She felt like there wasn't any behavior that worked. She was always either being too close or too far away. I told her she didn't have to be gentle with my feelings anymore. And if I couldn't handle it and we stopped being friends, so be it. She cried and said it, that made her feel discarded. This feels like a limerent account to me too, where it's full of these little details that when you're in limerence, you've probably thought about every one of these details again and again to try to understand, was it fair? Was it true? Whose fault was it? But didn't I say? But then she said, and um, it's limerence to be going into all the details of this because you know the overall thing is she would like to have a boundary with you and you're married and you're having no boundary right now. And so everything that people do to, to like keep some boundaries around you for you is a gift, <laughs> is a gift. <laughs> even though your, you know, your mind won't see it that way. So you say, sometimes later she suddenly stopped texting me and stopped coming to social events or inviting us to hang out. <sighs> that is where things needed to go a long time ago. She was clearly distancing and committing to her marriage, which I respected. I guess in theory you did. We still saw each other at rehearsal and social events, but she basically ignored me. So that would be appropriate for somebody trying to save their marriage. And I understood so for two months, and I didn't say much, but band rehearsal and performances stopped being fun. Yep, that's the trouble. I tried to show up with a positively friendly demeanor, and at times things were almost like old times, but for the most part, I felt sad and ignored. So yeah, that's, you know, once you have that like heart attachment to somebody, even when they don't want you to have it with them, if you have it, then it is sad to be around them. And you know where I'm going with this, <laughs> but you're going to ask me the question later. Okay. So yeah, feel sad and ignored. And we'd have a rehearsal or show and I'd have an emotional hangover of rejection and self-attack after seeing her and being ignored. So just like an alcoholic thinks, I know that every time I have a drink, I end up just going on this huge bender and I can't remember the last few days. I think this time will be different. And that's kind of what I see happening here, that this is an addictive behavior where you think, if I just um, act cool about and be around her all the time, that eventually, you know, she will stop ignoring me. But, you know, she can feel the energy. People, it doesn't matter what you say you feel, like people can feel your nervous system. And when they want a boundary, they will have a boundary. So as I told a friend, I couldn't complain because I knew on some level no contact would be ideal for me. Bingo. 
but our lives, that's the reason why we have no contact is because it's torture. It's torture and it doesn't, it stops you from healing. It keeps you all activated in your addiction and there's, and it's no fun anymore. <laughs> but our lives at that point were so entwined and I was hopeful things would someday return to normal. Give it 20 years, we'll see. To be honest, I still thought about her obsessively and checked to make sure she was still watching all my social media stories, limerence. M meanwhile, I started attending CODA meetings and even thought about SLAA. And I'm gonna point you, yeah, this is an SLAA thing for sure. CODA might be your other thing, but that's not what I see going on here. Okay, I can't believe my life has come to this. Well, I can. <laughs> Welcome to our world. This is what it's like to have CPTSD. And this is how things come to a head. They get really hard. And when they're really hard and you can't take it anymore, they can begin to get better. So you could be in a very good place after all. You say, one month into no talking, I did something I'm ashamed of and regret. I saw her at a mutual friend's birthday. She was standing close to me and I was lonely and feeling more needy than usual. And so I moved my leg to touch hers. She excused herself to go to the bathroom. I felt so ashamed and rejected. Fast forward another month and we had a show where she completely ignored me on stage and backstage. After, when talking in the group chat about what to play at our next show, I sent the group a form for each band member to select and the new songs we wanted to try. And she had been ignoring everything and I said in the group chat, this is kind of a long story about this thing where her feedback was supposed to go and she never gave it. And you're kind of perseverating on this as if this is significant, but you know why it's happening. You suspect it and you're right. She just can't deal with you at this point. She doesn't want to give you any energy because, you know, limerence isn't love. Just so you know, limerence is not love. Limerence is a thing that we're engaged with in our own minds. And when people get around it, it's, it's usually not pleasant and it doesn't make them feel loved or seen at all. We're not actually seeing them because if you were seeing her, and respecting her, you would be saying, you know, you would stop putting this energy on her even if you had to remove yourself because she has told you that's what she wants. So you're crashing the gates on her, which you know. But there were these pieces of the story where what I'm hearing is I feel so bad, so I kept pushing it, and then I felt so bad and I kept pushing it. And so it reads a little bit like Victorian erotica or something like I really shouldn't have been doing this but I touched her leg and so I want you to look at that that in some way does your abandonment trauma get fed by activating and reactivating this feeling of abandonment over and over again does it help you feel something intense that you normally can't feel like that is it's okay that that happens but the goal of healing is to let that settle down. You know, when you've been exposed to poison oak here in California, your skin will be covered with the rash, but eventually it will settle down. And so an addiction is like that. It'll rise up and eventually it'll settle down. The goal of life is to keep it settled down, especially because you have a wife. You have a seven-year relationship and you have made a commitment to each other. And what's interesting in this story is you barely talk about her. You didn't want to tell her and you did, but she doesn't really come up again. And so I think that you need to really decide if you are going to commit to your wife here and committing to her means not doing things that undermine and deceive her. That's a terrible thing to do to somebody. And that if that's what it's come to and you can't stop, it possibly is the most merciful thing to leave. But I really would encourage anybody who's in a marriage that you say is pretty good 
to deal with your addiction and show up for the marriage, show up for the, this person who has been there for you. You're having a, you know, you're having a glitch that's just trying to take you out of the good thing that you have in your life and it can't work. The person doesn't want you. They're in something that they do want to be in. And I think that we get limerent when, if we're prone to it, when life gets bleak, when it's not very fun, when we're scared and not sure of ourselves. And it can happen at sort of like age junctures. It happens for young people when they're sort of morphing into full-fledged adults. It can happen in middle age. It can really happen anytime but it can't happen very easily when your life is very active and meaningful and full of joy and when you have love. So I love that you connected with this community that everybody became friends, kind of like a big extended family. I love that. Now you have the problem <laughs> that you have this, this person you can't see. And that's where I'm going with this. I really encourage you. I know that you have all this stuff you love to do, but it's messed up for you right now. It brings misery and risk to your marriage and that's terrible. And so think of it as something on a par with a heroin addiction. And that may seem harsh to you. Everybody in addiction always thinks that whatever an outside perspective is on it is too much, but think of it as a heroin addiction. And if it were heroin, would it be good for you to be around people doing heroin? It wouldn't, it'd be a terrible idea. It'd be a good idea to be around sober people. For you, that's people who are not her and no contact. No, when you catch yourself thinking about her, stop have have like 10 go-to positive thoughts you can go to instead. If you use my daily practice, you can write your fears and resentments about it. You have twice a day when you can indulge in every thought about her and everything else that's upsetting you. And then the rest of the time, discipline yourself to try to take your mind off of her. And then above all, stop talking about her and all the stories of what happened. This is something that can happen. If you've ever had a friend who's limerent, they want to talk about the person a lot and it'll get very detailed. And from the outside, you can sort of tell like, this is weird. Like you have a wife, why are you, you know, perseverating? Perseverating is like going over and over and over something about what happened with the, 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 the form that you sent for her to fill out. What you ended up telling me about the form, it would have taken five minutes and you felt emotionally used and you had done all this helping her with her parents. So I know you know, I see that's why you went to CODA. We're kind of doing this as a theme in the videos I'm taping this week. It's about like the idea of helping other people. Like I'll be, <laughs> there's this, <laughs> what's the word I had for it? The, it's like the safe eunuch. Um, and then it, of course the safe eunuch isn't really a eunuch. And for anybody watching, maybe um, if you don't know the word eunuch, it's somebody who has been castrated and has no sexuality. And sometimes in CPTSD, we pretend we're that person. I call that cool girl too. It's just like, no, I'm cool with this. I'll just help you. But really we have this ulterior motive that we want them to love us. And we're using some strange calculus with all kinds of like childhood trauma stirred up in it. It's like, if I just help you with all your problems and maybe find problems for you and help those too, that you'll love me, that you'll come to see that I'm indispensable. And um, it doesn't work out. It just doesn't. It's, it's not a sexy energy. It's not a romantically attractive energy, but it's what we do because we were trained to do it. So it's your job now to take all those survival strategies you had to deal with your trauma and um, the, the feeling of like, you know, what I would imagine being adopted is there may be some like wordless emotional flashback that comes up for you about like, you know, where's my mom or feeling like, where's my home? 
And that's what an emotional flashback is. It comes up from pre-language days of like some, you know, some pain that we have. And we project it onto present reality and it just seems like we have to have it. I have to have this thing I imagine on the present reality. And it's so strong that it overrides the information coming right back at us, which is, you know, with limerence principally that somebody's like, yeah, I don't want to do this. Now it's true. Sometimes the people that you could be limerent on, they will enjoy the energy up to a point and then they'll cut you off. And then it's like, oh my God, they rejected me. But you kind of like, we knew all along that this was a one-sided deal. And, it, you know, just living on hope, like maybe it'll be reciprocated. If you have to like work that hard at it, it's probably not what it is. And so the best thing you can do, oh, is to allow your life to like bring you all it has. There is so much love around you. There's so much. And there's your wife, like there's love right there. And so I really encourage you to renounce this connection. Let it go. You do not have to tell your wife everything. You've told her enough. Just focus on making your life solid and your path good and take very positive actions for yourself. Yeah, definitely 12 step. You would also be most welcome in our membership program where we have courses and community and lots of events where you can get together with other people. And we have our daily practice and people do that together in the membership program. There's several peer led daily practice calls a day that you can hop on. And I lead one, a big one every two weeks. We have a lot going on here to support people who are trying to make a positive change, to try to stop living out trauma-driven patterns in their life, and to instead open up to a life that is fulfilling and has love and connection and purpose and meaning and enough money and health and all good things. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs in the episode description below or on my website, crappychildhoodfairy.com. If you're going through a hard time and you need online therapy, I encourage you to check out BetterHelp. They're easy and affordable and they can connect you with someone you choose within a few days. And if you use this special URL, you not only help this channel, but you get 10% off your first month of therapy. So go to betterhelp.com slash ccf, as in crappy childhood fairy. That's betterhelp.com slash ccf. And remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.